This morning I want to speak to you for a few moments on the resurrected Redeemer. There's some notes on the back of your bulletin. If you have one of those, you can follow along as we, as we go this morning. And uh, I want to help us to think a little bit about what today's all about, about the resurrected Savior. Today we celebrate one of the greatest days, I guess we could say not one of, but the greatest day in all of history, amen? We celebrate the great truth that Jesus Christ, our Savior, who died and was buried, rose again from the dead, and He lives forever. This is the one truth that sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world, the fact that we serve a risen Savior. All other religions, their leaders have died. Buddha died. Muhammad died. Confucius died. Every founder of every religion that has ever existed, their founder, their leader, has died. However, only one has risen from the dead, amen? And that's Jesus Christ. If we were to strip Christianity of that one doctrine, the doctrine of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, then our faith would be no different than any other religious system condemning souls of men to eternity in hell forever and ever. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, if he is not alive today, then everything he did was in vain. His life was in vain. His life was a waste. All the teachings that he made were just ravings of a madman. If he is not alive, then we have no salvation. The Apostle Paul said, if Christ be not risen, then we are of all men most miserable. But I'm thankful that we have a risen Savior. Amen? We do have that hope. And then when we talk about hope, it's not hope like we think. We say sometimes, well, I hope it doesn't rain today, or, or I hope I get to do this or that. The hope in the Bible is something that is absolute. And the blessed hope that we have, that Jesus arose and that he's coming back again someday, is absolute. Just as sure as he came the first time, he's going to come back again. And we'll have the privilege of spending eternity with him, the resurrected Redeemer. We can see in these verses that we've read this morning that Jesus Christ is very much alive. We celebrate the truth that he lives this morning. And I want us to take a few moments just to look at these verses that we have here in John chapter 20. And several things I want you to think about. First of all, I want you to see Mary at the tomb. Mary was there, obviously. It says in verse number 1, the first day of the week in John chapter 20, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Now, can you imagine what it must have been like for Mary? Can you imagine if you went to the cemetery to see your parents or your grandparents, or you went to see a loved one that had passed away, and you got there, and the tombstone was off to the side, and the grave was open, and nobody was in it? That'd be quite a shock, wouldn't it? And it was for Mary when she got there, that tomb. And I've had the privilege on a couple of occasions to visit the, what is considered to be the tomb where Jesus was, was, was buried. I'm not sure it's the exact one, but I went inside of there. The big stone has a little trough where the stone rolls back. You can go inside. You can see the place where he lay. It's empty. There's nobody there. And I'm glad that that tomb is empty today, that we serve a risen Savior. And so Mary at the tomb, first of all, notice her discovery. Her discovery. Look down at verse number 10 with me. It says, Then the disciples went away again into their, to their own house. And verse 11 says, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. So she comes to the tomb. She's there, and she finds that the tomb is empty. 
The stones rolled away. They look inside. Nobody's there. The Bible tells us that she came when it was yet dark. So it's not yet daylight. And immediately she sees the tomb is empty and she runs to find the other disciples, to find Peter and John. And she tells them that the body of the Lord is missing. Now she hasn't quite yet figured it out. She doesn't say he's risen. She says his body is missing. You know, that's the world's philosophy, isn't it? They don't believe he's risen. They think his body's just missing. We know differently, don't we? Because we know God's word is true. He is faithful. We can take him at his word. And when Peter and John heard the news, they ran there as well to see what had happened. And when they arrived, they both saw the linen clothes lying there undisturbed. And the napkin that had been around his face was folded in a place by itself. In verse number 5, it says, He, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, and went. yet went he not in. Yet cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen cloths lie, lie. And the napkin that was about his head was not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. So here they come, and they find the, they find these, the napkins kind of folded and by itself, and the clothes were still there that he had upon him. And when they saw those things, they at first they returned home. And uh, then they, they saw that the tomb is empty. Verse number 8 says, Then went and also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw, and notice what it says, and believed. See, there's a difference in just seeing and believing. There's a lot of people in the world today that say, oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. They see, but they haven't yet believed. Amen? And there's a big difference. Let me say a word about the linen clothes that were there. The Bible says that the linen clothes were lying. The word, the Hebrew word, that's, or the Greek word there that's translated lying literally means still in their folds. What that means is, that they were still looked like the body of Jesus was in, still inside of that of those cloth, those clothes. The various ointments that they had put on him and the various spices and so forth had almost made those cloths to harden like a cocoon around his body. But his body was gone. The, the clothes are still there, shaped like his body, undisturbed. Had his body been taken by grave robbers, they would have taken those clothes. They wouldn't have taken them off of him. They would have taken them with him. And if they had come in and robbed his body, that napkin that was over his face would not have been folded and laid neatly to the side. They would have very quickly gotten his body and snatched it out. Instead, it's folded and laid carefully in its place. Everything appears to be calm and serene at the tomb. And then notice not only her discovery, notice her, de her, her devotion. In verse number 11 of chapter 20, it says, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher. What's the next word? Weeping. She's weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. Peter and John went away from the tomb. But Mary stayed behind, and Mary wept over the loss of her Lord. Why did she stay? I'll tell you why. Because she loved Jesus. She loved Jesus. 
The Bible tells us that Mary had been delivered out of deep, dreadful sin. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 9, it says, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. This was a woman who was what we would call demon-possessed. And when she met Jesus, he cast the devils out of her. And because of what he did for her, she loved him deeply. And when she came and saw his body was gone, she wept. She was devoted to him. The redeemed soul will love the Lord. When you've been forgiven of your sins, when you understand that you were a lost sinner on your way to an eternity in hell forever, and that Jesus Christ saved your soul, he forgave you of all of your sins, past, present, future, forgiven, and you're on your way to heaven, it'll produce a love and an appreciation for what Jesus Christ has done for you. She was devoted to him. And what a wonderful thing it is when Jesus Christ saves us we ought to be devoted to him as well. Amen. Notice her darkness in verse number 11. It says she stooped without the, at the sepulcher. She weeps. As she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. Mary had her eyes focused on the physical evidence and not the spiritual answer. All she saw was an empty tomb. It never entered into her mind just yet that the Creator has risen and is alive. And she's weeping. And we might well weep with her today, except for the fact that we know He's no longer dead. Amen? He's alive. If it were true that Jesus was dead, Paul says we of all men are most miserable in 1 Corinthians 15, 19. You know, I believe that many of God's children today live as though they believe Jesus was still dead. They don't act as though we serve a risen Savior. There's no joy. There's no excitement. There's no thrill in their life. There's no deep burning desire to worship God and to serve God, the one who bought us, the one who saved us, the one who cleansed us. And we see ourselves as a lost sinner. And we understand that He saved us and forgiven us. We love Him and we want to serve Him. It's interesting. I saw a thing this week. It kind of I had to kind of chuckle about it. It said, Jesus Christ rose from the dead in the morning, went back to heaven, presented his blood to the Father in heaven, and made it back in time for the evening service. And then it said, what's your excuse? (laughs) I thought that was pretty interesting. But when we understand all that Jesus did for us, our hearts ought to be thrilled to come to church on Sunday. We ought to be thrilled to worship the Lord. We do serve a risen Savior as we sang this morning. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. Amen. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives He lives within my heart. And I hope you can say that today as well. With that in mind, let's determine this Easter Sunday morning that we're no longer going to hang our heads in brokenness and in sadness, but rather we're going to rejoice in the living Savior. I heard about a family some years ago. They lost three children in one week's time to diphtheria. 
Only a three-year-old girl escaped the disease. And on the following Easter morning, the father and the mother and the child that survived were together in church. And as they were there together in church, they heard the Easter message from the Word of God. Many people were actually weeping in the service, but the father and the mother remained very calm, and their daughter as well. And when the service was over, a 15-year-old boy was walking home with his father, and he said, that man and his wife, he said, they must really believe the Easter story. And his father said, all Christians do. And the little boy said, not the way they do. You see, there's a difference when we know our loved ones who have gone on are with the Lord in heaven. They're not lost. We know where they are. Amen? The Apostle Paul said, we sorrow not as others which have no hope. We do sorrow, but not like those that have no hope. If you have loved ones that are not saved and they, and they pass away, there's no hope. But for those of us who are loved, have loved ones that are in heaven, we have that wonderful hope that we're going to see them again. My dad and mom are in heaven. I've got, I've got four of my five brothers that are in heaven. I'm going to see them again someday. And many of you have, have brothers and sisters and parents and grandparents, and one day you'll see them again with the Lord in heaven. And then notice not only Mary at the tomb, but notice the messengers at the tomb. There were some messengers there. Look at verses 12 and 13. It says, And seeth two angels in white, notice this, sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. It wasn't there anymore, but it had been there. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. She still hadn't gotten it yet, has she? They've taken him away. I don't know where they've laid him. Notice the presence of these angels. There were two angels at the tomb. Two in the Bible is the number of witness. In other words, there's, somebody, there's not just one person said, I saw it. There's two angels as a witness that he has risen from the dead. These angels have been dispatched by God to witness the truth that Jesus Christ is alive. There's a message of absolute hope and absolute assurance. Matthew 28, verses 5 and 6 says, And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. So you see their presence, and then you also see their posture. Verse 12 says as they were sitting, one at the head and the, the other at the feet. This was a posture of absolute peace. There's no chaos at the resurrection, at the empty tomb. It's peace there. The body of Jesus had been missing, but there was no trouble there at the tomb. There were no soldiers that came. There were no disciples that robbed the body. You can be sure that these angels, had there been something uh, going on that was not exactly right, they would have been busy trying to straighten it all out. And yet they sit there as if to say to Mary, all is well. Everything's okay. And notice their picture. It's a picture of rest. They're sitting. They're resting. You see, they appear to be perfectly calm and perfectly at rest. It is as if they are saying to Mary, the work is all over. You can rest now. You say, why is that so important? It's important because there are a lot of people that are trying to work their way to heaven. Many people think, well, if I can just be good enough, in fact, a lot of people have the idea all of our sins are, 
uh, on one side and all of our good works are on the other side. And if my good works outweigh my sin, I get to go to heaven. And if the sin outweighs the good works, I have to go to hell. If that were true, there would be no hope for us after we died. We, we wouldn't know until we died which way we were going. I'm glad we can settle it now, amen? There are folks that think, well, I've got to be baptized to go to heaven, or I've got, I got to join the church to go to heaven, or I've got to do this or that. All of those things may be good, but they don't take us to heaven. The work for salvation was completed when Jesus died on the cross, and on the cross he said, it is finished. And as those angels sat in there, they're saying to Mary, you can rest. You don't have to work to earn your way to heaven. You don't have to work to try to get there. Why? Because the work's already been done by Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. And when he went back, when he told Mary, touch me not, I've not yet ascended to my Father, he went back and presented his blood to the Father as full payment for our sin. And God the Father accepted that payment for my sin and for your sin. And that's the only payment he accepts. And so in a sense, these angels are saying, Mary, you can rest now. The work's finished. doesn't mean we shouldn't work for the Lord after we get saved, but we don't work to get saved. We, we work because we appreciate our salvation. And we're thankful for what God did for us. We come to him by simple childlike faith, and he saves us and makes us a child of the king. And notice their plan, the plan of these angels Verse number 13 says, And they saw, they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. That verse indicates that these angels, they wanted to stir something up in the mind of Mary. They asked her a question, Why weepest thou? In other words, Mary, why are you crying? You see, they knew Jesus rose from the dead. They knew it was exciting. They knew it was a wonderful thing. As far as Mary's concerned, they've taken away his body. She didn't get it yet. And when they asked, why weepest thou? In a sense, it's almost like they were saying to Mary, Mary, should you really be weeping? Huh. You should be rejoicing. Doesn't the empty tomb call for rejoicing? Amen? We rejoice in what Jesus Christ has done and the fact that we serve a risen Savior. And oftentimes, we, Mary didn't get the whole picture yet. And I want to say there are probably some folks here today that haven't gotten the whole picture yet. You believe? You believe in God? Did you know the Bible says the devil believes in God? Just believing in God doesn't take you to heaven. You believe. You believe in Jesus. You believe that God had a son named Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his what? Only begotten son. I've been reading the book, the one I gave to you, uh, Seeking Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And it's about a Muslim man who came to Christ. And in the book he says this, he says, The Muslim religion teaches that Allah is not a father and has no son. Guess what? I'm glad we have a heavenly father and he has a son named Jesus who was crucified on an old rugged cross, was buried and rose again from the dead and we serve a risen Savior. So you see Mary at the tomb, you see the messengers at the tomb. Notice the Messiah at the tomb. The Messiah at the tomb. Look at verse number 14 and you see Mary's confusion. Mary's confusion, verse 14 says, And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. 
Now, sometimes people say, well, how did she not know it was Jesus? Well, let me just say this. Sometimes people say, well, when we get to heaven, are we going to know each other? In a minute, you're going to see she recognized Jesus. We will recognize each other and know each other in heaven. But at first she didn't. Why didn't she? Well, if you were weeping and crying, you might not recognize somebody that was standing in front of you that was your relative either. She is in, you remember just, just three days before that, she had seen Jesus beaten and, and crucified and nailed to an old cross. And, and the one that they looked to as their leader and as their Messiah was, was killed on that cross. And in her grief and in her sorrow, she doesn't yet recognize that it's Jesus. She knew not that it was Jesus. She saw, saw a man standing there, but she kept on weeping. Isn't that just like us sometimes? We have his promises in his word, and yet sometimes we fail in our troubles and trials and difficult times of life. We fail to see Jesus even though he's right there in front of us. We miss him. What did he say in Hebrews 13, 5? He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's always with us. And in the midst of the most difficult times that you go through in your life, if you know Christ is your Savior, He lives within your heart, He is with you and He's promised never to leave you nor forsake you. He's a risen Savior and He's always involved in our life and He's always involved with you. Notice the confrontation in verse number 15. It says, Jesus saith unto her. Let me just stop and say this. Whenever Jesus spoke, things changed. The power of the word of God. You remember creation all the way back in Genesis 1? In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God just spoke, and it happened. The power of the word of God. And he spoke. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me when, where thou hast laid him. In other words, if you've taken the body of my Jesus, tell me where you took him. Jesus asked Mary two questions that were designed to expose the truth. He said to her, Why weepest thou? Why weepest thou? Why do you weep when you should be rejoicing? And then he said, whom seekest thou? Who are you seeking among the dead? Who are you looking for in this cemetery? Why do you look for the one that is alive among the dead? Those questions were designed to help Mary to see who Jesus really was. That Jesus is the resurrection and the life. John chapter 1 or chapter 11 verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Who are you seeking, Mary? I'm seeking Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's the prince of life. Acts 3.12 says this. It says, and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. He's the one that would lay down his life and take it up again. You see, they could have never crucified Jesus had he not allowed them to do so. Remember when the soldiers first came to take Jesus and he spoke and the Bible says they dropped back as if they were dead. The power of the word of God. It says in John 10, 18, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. 
This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus willingly laid down his life that we might have eternal life. Then he also wanted her to see that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, I'm one way of many ways. He said, I am the way. No man comes to the Father but by me. Nobody gets to heaven except through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. Mary, I want you to understand that I am the way. It's interesting to note that in verse 16, Mary turned around after speaking to Jesus and continued to to stare into the tomb. For verse 16 says, Jesus saith unto he, Unto her, Mary, when Jesus spoke to her, her, her name, Mary, it says, she turned herself and saith. So evidently, she had talked to him, thought he was the gardener, and then turned and looked back into the tomb. And when he calls her name, she turns around again and looks at Jesus. What a lesson for those that have lost their loved ones. Too many times, we're looking and staring into the tomb and not looking to Jesus. We're not looking to the Lord. When we face death, we're to look to the Lord and not to, the, not to the, the, the grave, not to the place where our loved ones are buried. Why? Because one day the Lord's coming back and we're going to get to see them again. Could I ask you this morning, which way are you looking? Are you still looking towards the grave or are you looking towards the Lord Jesus Christ? And then notice the call in verse 16. Mary turned herself and said unto him, Rabbani, which is to say, Master, Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. When she, Jesus said Mary, he just spoke her name, Mary. Mary didn't respond to his questions at first, but when he called her name, she knew it was him. Could I say to you this morning, he knows your name? He knows my name. This wasn't the voice of the Creator calling His creature. This was not the voice of the Master calling a servant. This was the voice of the Shepherd calling one of His struggling sheep. And when He calls, there are three great truths that are mentioned here that I need to remind you of. First of all, His call is the seal of redemption. When He calls us, Isaiah 43 and verse 1 says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit of God begins to convict us and draw us, and he's calling our name to come to him. John chapter 10 and verse 3 says, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. He knows your name. In Matthew 7, he says, Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. There are a lot of people who have said, Lord, they've called. But he goes on to say, But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You see, when a person really gets saved, when God calls and they respond to that call of God, recognize they're a sinner and deserve to spend eternity in hell, and Jesus calls them and they understand that he died on the cross and shed his blood as full payment for their sin and we call on the Lord, Lord save me. He hears our voice and we hear his call and we respond and then we want to do what he wants us to do. We want to live for him and serve him. Notice what she said. She said, Master, 
Master. Real salvation means that we acknowledge He's the Master. He's the Lord. Before we get saved, too often it's I'm the boss. I'm going to do whatever I want to. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. But when we get saved, we say, Lord, I want you to be the Master. I want to give my life to you and live for you. And then not only does His call seal our redemption, but His call is instantly recognized by the sheep. In John 10, verse 4, it says, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They know his voice. I've been in several different countries. When I've been traveling along and I've seen flocks of sheep, I saw it in Israel, I've seen it, I think I saw it in India. When flocks of sheep were coming from the, from the diff- distance, some off of a hillside, and they're coming down to where the road is where we're driving, and those flocks of sheep m- merge and go across that road, and it's amazing how hundreds of them merge together, and they just keep on going, and this group stays with their shepherd, and this with their shepherd, and that none of them get mixed up and go with the wrong shepherd. They know the voice of their shepherd. And when you come to know Jesus Christ, you know His voice. And you follow him. There's a lot of false shepherds in our world today and a lot of false preaching and teaching been done. But if you know the Lord, you know the shepherd, you know his voice. His call is instantly recognized by his sheep. And then notice also Mary immediately calls him master in verse 16. She responded to his voice by affirming her love and devotion and she calls him her master. Look at the command in the beginning of verse 17. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. Mary must have attempted to fling her arms around the feet of Jesus. Sometimes people say, Well, I see Jesus, I'm just going to throw my arms around him and hug him. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Maybe like Mary will throw her arms around his feet. In, in Revelation, when John saw him, he says, He fell at his feet as a dead man falling before him, bowing before him. But she evidently tried to throw her arms around his feet and he said, touch me not. Now, why did he say that? Two reasons that I want to mention. First of all, there's no need to hold on to him because he's alive forevermore. You see, she came to the grave and she's looking for Jesus. He is gone And she may have wanted to grab hold on and hold on to him so he didn't get away. I don't want to lose you again. But there's no need because he arose. He's alive forevermore. Amen? Forevermore. Then secondly, he was about to step into the presence of his father and offer his blood upon the mercy seat as the perfect and final atonement for the sins of mankind. He took that blood and presented it on the mercy seat of heaven and God the Father accepted that blood as full payment for my sin and for your sin. So we've seen Mary at the tomb. We've seen the messengers at the tomb. We've seen the Messiah at the tomb. Notice the message from the tomb. There's a message that comes from that tomb. Look at the end of verse 17. He says, But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary was told to go and tell the disciples that Jesus was alive and that he ascended back to his father. It was to be a message of hope and blessing to those who mourned his death. And that's the kind of message that we have and that we are to deliver. It is an unchanging message. It was an unusual message, but it's also an unchanging message. 
a message that will never change. Jesus Christ is alive. Revelation 1.18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive evermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. Then I want to say this. We are still commanded to come and see and go and tell. Amen? The world needs to hear from us. We come and see, we come to know Christ as our Savior, and we see what He's done for us. He saves us, changes our life, and then the Lord says like He did to, to Mary, go and tell. You go tell the disciples. It's our job to go and tell the lost world that there is a risen Savior and that He lives today, and He wants to save them as well. In the 6,000 years of recorded human history, the most important message that has ever been heard is He is not here, for he is risen. He is risen. Do you know the risen Savior today? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Are you trusting him for your soul's salvation? Don't trust your religion. Religion won't take you to heaven. Only Jesus will. Salvation's not in a religion. It's in a person, Jesus Christ. And I know there's some religions that teach there's no salvation outside of their church. You don't find that in the Bible. There's no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's through Jesus Christ. And as a Christian, it's obvious that we've come and seen Christ. Are we going and telling others what he's done for us? What difference does the resurrection of Jesus Christ make in your life on a daily basis? You've heard today that he lives. My question for you in closing is this. Could you live your life just like it is if he didn't rise from the dead? I'm afraid there's a lot of people, if he didn't rise from the dead, it wouldn't make any difference. Their life would still be the same. Aren't you glad he did rise? Amen. We serve a risen Savior. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know that Savior as your Savior this morning?